All right, guys, welcome back to Three Men Tackle Sport with me, Jacob, and Sean. <laughs> me. Me. Me, Billy. Me, Billy. <laughs> um, oh. So we'll start the weekend with the first, about uh, start the first week game of the weekend, if I can speak. Uh, mm. Man United and Everton. That was actually quite a fun game to watch, you know. It was oh, a bit I weird. Was... I don't know what Ollie was doing with the, with the switch room with the team. Yeah, it was very weird. Um, resting players sort of just before an international break is crazy to me. Because yeah, surely I didn't you, get just, it either. you see it all play. To be honest, though, it's going to be he's resting the players that he knows are going to play a lot during the international break, I guess. So yeah, sort of like I Ronaldo, guess, but Sancho, Pogba, they're all going to play. Yeah, but you've got um, an injured, you've got an injured Everton at home with a chance yeah, to send yourself into an Ashbrook a win. They definitely probably should have got a one that, but Ollie probably thought the team he put out would have been good enough to win that, and they should have done. They, mm. have, they really should have done. Well, really say Marshall, Marshall got off the clean, uh, got off the, got off with a goal finally. Yeah, that Ballon d'Or clause is coming in, mate. Yeah. I think that... one thing about Benitez, he always gets his sides very sound. Oh, yeah. Everyone's always on the same page. They might not always play the best football because they don't. Like, Benitez doesn't have an attractive They all know how to play, though. They all know what they're playing. This he is... gets his players that he wants in. He makes, them di- he makes them play direct. And they are all on the same page. And it's just like, it works. Yeah. The thing is, to be fair, with the, with the game Saturday afternoon... They actually played good football, as well as being like, obviously you may not always have the most beautiful football from Benitez. But when they were countering, they were playing quick, slick one twos and whatever, and they were getting in and around um, United's defence. That the the McFred in centre mid is the big problem because they're just they're, they're terrible. I mean, you could work. probably get away with playing Pogba next to McTominay, but Fred is Fred. Fred is dog. Awful. He's dog, but mate. If you put him with McTominay, it's just. Even worse. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That complement each other. I don't get how Fred gets a game time and Donny Van Der Beek can't get looking. Oh, it just battles. Donny Van Der Beek can't play that position, can he? Yeah, he's Fred, not. He's not a holding mid. He's Fred a box can't to play box. position either. He can. I don't even think he could play box to box for United because their, their formation doesn't allow for a box to box. Yeah, Charles. They've, the they've, they've got. They've got luxury. Their problem is they have too much luxury in too many different places. Mm. They've got luxury out right. They've got luxury out left. They've got luxury. All right, up probably top, out mate. of all the luxury players, Bruno probably works the hardest. They've got luxury up top. They've got no one that actually works. And then the two DMs get overrun because every midfield in the Prem plays with at least two central midfielders. Yeah. Every, every, t- every single time they're going to get outrun because they've got no help. So at the at very best, it's two against two. If not, it's three against two. It's four against. In Everton's case, they had about five on attack at one point. Oh, yeah, they were doing very teams, well teams, on the counter. Teams will just kill them. And if they can set up in a low block and United can't unlock it and they ain't got players like Ronaldo or anyone or anyone of that calibre on, they're going to struggle to beat teams this year. They're going to struggle to pick up points. Uh, one thing I've... Like, yeah. And one thing I've seen from a lot of the big teams, to be fair, this season is everyone is really struggling to just break everyone down. Like, there's not... I don't, I don't know what's a massive score sheet if you get what I mean. Like, no, I don't. Know, I don't really know what's going on because, like, the best teams are the best players. They're really like they're all right. Obviously, it's Premier League saying, "Well, people come to play every week." No, it's a pushover, but you still sort of get a few chances a game where it ends up being like a three, 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 one or something. Four, but 
everyone just seems to be struggling to break down. It's sort of it's almost becoming like Brexit football. Everyone just keeps whipping the ball in the box non-stop and it's confusing the life out of me. It's Brexit. Uh, not Brexit, sorry. <laughs> it's Brexit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Jay. <laughs> no, it's the uh, it's really happy. It's the refs. It's the refs. Oh, the uh, standard of referee is pathetic. Since we've since we've come back this season, you saw during COVID the overlap of refereeing. Like there was a lot of allowances made for referees making bad decisions because obviously COVID and it allowed for a lot. And then, back, then we obviously we had last season. And last season was like a transition year for a hell of a lot of teams. They were just trying to recover. There was a lot of injuries, yada, yada. Now we come into this season and they're trying to bring back the whole, like showing the Premier League to be a tough league. You allow big tackles without mm. getting penalised too much. This whole tactical foul nonsense, which is crazy. I mean, I'm a massive advocate of the referee not blowing his whistle every 20 minutes, every 20 seconds, sorry. But come on, like, if someone, if if there's a there's a centre-back on the team, and even, like, even Everton would do that. United do it as well. United did it to West Ham when we went in the Carabao Cup. Like, teams will sit there and they will just chip away at your best players all the yeah. game long. And the referee, all the referee can do is blow their whistle or just let, or let the game carry on. Or blow their whistle and then give him a caution because he's too scared of giving a yellow card because it means the. It seems like they're too scared to give cards and... now, or they're too scared to make a decision because they're scared that yeah, VAR is going to overturn it and it's going to look bad on them. That's it. But that's what they're more worried about. They the want to thing... make the, they want to definitely make a definite call with your old tactical foul, but they don't want to give a card otherwise it's just going to get backlash from it and they can't deal with a backlash. The problem with the English referee at the moment is just the blind leading the blind. Like I think there it's is an ego thing. There is no good referees, not a single one. They're all poor. Like you've got the the Australian bloke that come on. He would probably be the best in the league. And I think he's only man uh, ref one game in the Premier. He's been in the Championship. But like they're all they're all egotistical. They all think the game's about them. Even um, Ben Foster said on on Jack Mate's podcast, uh, Mike Dean given advantage uh, during one of the Watford games. And they scored for me. And Tom Cleverley was near him. And apparently Mike Dean turned around and went, that's an assist for Dean. Like, they genuinely think the game is about them. And because of the amount of talking that's done about referees, they're, like, they're buying into it. They think people are it. here to see how I can influence this game rather than letting it run. And obviously, yes, there's games where you can have to make calls and they're going to miss calls, blah, blah, blah. But it's becoming way, way too much about it. I could go on about refs, I could go on about the Brentford West Ham game, but I'd be uh, very much called well, biased sure. for that. I mean, yeah, probably. I, I, I actually yeah, haven't seen very, the highlights of that game. Very tactical foul, a lot of time wasting. I'm not even talking about a lot like, of, uh, our game, injury though. things well, like that. Just in general, in the, um, but I'm using that as an example because it was so recent and fresh for me. Yeah, but that, it, was, it, was the, um, it was the same in the Leeds-Watford game. Leeds did yeah. the same thing to Watford. What mm. we're trying to what we're trying to break them down, they just chip away at their best players. That's and what City done teams, as well, though. Every time a team would try and break on them, their attacks called failure. Of, yeah, it'd just be a, a free kick, completely kill, completely kill any flow, any flow you had. It ruins it, and... any flow you have, and it's hard to get that back, especially against a team that dominates the ball so much. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you do like, get the ball, like you're United, not going to be able to. Someone like United shouldn't have been struggling like they did against Everton. No. In reality, they didn't have their two best players on the pitch. Um, their defence is not renowned as one of the best anyways. Oh, no. I mean, you've got Godfrey uh, man mid- out of position as well. Them, yeah, their midfield <coughs> should have got overrun because all they had in midfield was, what, Tom Davies, maybe? No, no, they played... They had Allen and Decore. Oh, Allen and Decore. Fantastic. Yeah, but, like, workhorses. They played brilliant. That's, that's, 
that's good. That's good for them running around and defending everything. But creation wise, look at the names. Come on, Andros Townsend. He was a free agent last year. I know he's coming to his own. Demari Gray. He's just been re-signed to come back. Yeah, to the Anthony again. Gordon, like academy player. Solomon Rondon mm-hmm. should have been really washed up. Like he missed a couple chances as well. Like United shouldn't have had a problem here. At it was all. just. A, I think it was just a poor, really poor showing. All and round, it's not, really. It's not going to give. It's not going to give the players in that in that changing rooms now. <clears throat> any sort of confidence now going into the international break. They're going to have two weeks off and they're going to come back to United. They're going to be dreading coming back. So they're going to be like, oh, we've got to go. They have a, yeah, to be fair, they've got a difficult run coming up as well. This is their last, the they've got a couple of difficult games and it's an easy run. The expectation is, it's, it's just too hard for them right now. I think they just need to play. Instead of going, oh, we should win the league because we've, we've got Ronaldo now. Instead of that, just go out and play the games. If you win them, you win them. If you lose them, then... Cool, you've lost them. This is all you could you can't go into 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 the league straight away without even being in real contention for the league for quite a lot of years and go, right, now we've got one more player. We have to win the league now. No, it's a process. But I this think again, it's it's always a standard of like you've got obviously everyone's looking at you, you've got the fans, you've got the pundits, and everyone's looking at you saying you should be winning it. A lot of players are gonna look into it and think, Oh yeah, we have to now. A lot of players are gonna be feeling the pressure under that. But you also got to realise as well, even players. with the poor performances, it's still very early in the season. They've lost one game. Like, they're, they're going to take games. time to chill. Um, should they be doing better? Yes. Should they probably be winning these games? Yes. Could it come back to Barmler in the season? Maybe. But everyone else so is also stumbling lose. at the moment. So no There's one's, no no one's shot out of the game. There. So you're sort of, you can still get away with it at this point until someone starts to get that, that run that people normally get from November into Christmas where they're picking up all the points. You're okay for now, really. Obviously, I do you want to win, but it's not not panic stations yet. Um, um, coming now on to probably Chelsea, Southampton a little bit. Obviously, yeah. I think Chelsea were, I thought Chelsea were struggling in that game to the old Warprouse uh, red card. And again, it's a, it's a, a refereeing decision that changed yeah, the a game. a controversial one for me. I don't know. It, you see it's, given... Well, yeah. Also, seen them not. It's again inconsistent refereeing for me. It's a it's a late tackle, but it's right. You see them every week in the yellow cards. I don't. Like if if he already had a yellow, then of course yes, he probably goes for the second yellow. But I don't think it's for a straight it's just, red. It's just the inconsistency. It's just frustrating. So you're going to give him, give him all the time. If you if you're not going to give, but, him, if you're going to give him yellow, give him a yellow. No, but then the, like in those conditions, it was wet and like you're going to go flying into challenges and you're going to struggle not to follow through, as is most times when you slide anyway. But in in that environment, you are going to have a couple of late challenges, but you see them challenges literally every week and they're never red cards. So to randomly call that one a red card and it's two yards outside of Chelsea's box and they're just pressing hard the field, it's baffling. Completely and utterly baffling. And from then, obviously, Chelsea just run on and win the game. Yeah, cool. Sort of. I think um, I never actually thought I'd say this about Chelsea, but one thing is that Kai Havertz—that's back-to-back Premier League games. Kai Havertz hasn't played him, um, and he's their only natural attacking midfielder, like actual hmm. central number ten. And he's not playing these games, so of course they're going to struggle. It's inevitable. I don't know if they're resting him because he plays Champions League games for them, or they just rotate the squad. I don't know. But um, one other thing, uh, they miss Christian Pulisic. Like bad. It's just someone that used to come off the bench for them, 70th minute, and give them a bit more of 
bit of an agile, yeah, yeah, a little bit of pace. You know what I mean? Like, bit of a, he's, a, quite, he's a direct player. But this is the thing. You've, come at you. But they're, they're starting Hudson Adoy, who's sort of been touted as one of the next big English winners. Surely he's got to come in and step up to the plate. He's got to make he a hasn't cared. He hasn't cared since he got his two hundred grand a week. To be honest, he would have been better off going to buy. He got touted as one of these. Let him get to him. I think. It's not even that. He just can I think he's he's hit a he's hit a point in his in his life in his career right now where he's what twenty one maybe twenty two yeah something like that. He's got more money than he can ever dream of. He's at a, he's at a good club, a club where he knows he will win as long as they keep on the trajectory they're on. He can keep making sub performances or whatever. He'll still be in the talk for England because he plays for one of the top four clubs. So mm. it'll, there'll always be talk there of him playing for England. He doesn't have to play amazingly every week for them to win. There's no pressure. But I don't see him playing. I don't really see him playing solid or even really all day. Yeah, but he's getting Ooh. his 200 grand a week. He's 22 years of age. I just think he's probably just out there enjoying his life. I don't probably. think he really cares too much about football I mean, right now. The back end of last season, he come in, he did give a few good performances off the bench in the Champions League. He, he was energetic. That's because he had to. He had to, so he could break his way back into the team. Remember how far on the fringes Tuchel had him right mm. at the start? Or he was playing him right wing back or something like that, just just to somehow fit him into the side. Whereas like now he gets a feature every so often, so the job's done for him. He's never yeah. going to start for him. I mean, they've not even they've not exactly set the world alight at the start. I don't think anyone really has. I mean, Lukaku now, what is it, three games without a goal? Yeah, yeah, well, so in the league, sort of, they they right? they have been stagnating. I don't really think anyone's set the league alive. Everyone sort of, if it, it feels weird because they've they finally had a a somewhat proper pre season compared to last year, but everyone's just really slow out the gate and even slower than I thought it would be. Because I know in one of the previous episodes I said I thought the thing that could cost City the title this year would be if they started slow. Because I really fancied Chelsea, United, and that to fly out the gate, but. They're all sort of going at the same pace. It's all everyone's at walking pace at the moment. <clears throat> yeah, and it's weird. Um, well, we can now move on to, I guess, Brighton and Arsenal game where you can talk about walking pace. I think you never got <sighs> the blocks in that game at all. We were terrible. We were terrible, terrible. Uh, it's uh, it's the a stark contrast from last weekend. They come out against Spurs. They wanted to win every first, but they wanted to win every second ball. They come out against a team that's lined up differently to Spurs, or you know, Brighton play with a three at the back. We look lost. I mean, a couple of times where we went forward, we looked dangerous. But if Emil Smith Rowe didn't touch the ball, we didn't look like we were going to do anything. He was fantastic again, carrying us completely going forward. But the, the actual con- uh, consistency of the of the product was shit. Brighton dominated us. And it was a it was a story for Brighton as well. It was the same as last season. If they had a number nine, they'd beat us four 0 because it was a joke. The chances they got, and they were just they blazing. Striker. All they need is a striker, an actual goal scorer who can get them a goal. Like not even like a twenty goal season, like at least ten plus would be. Yeah. Good for them. If they had a half decent, they had a half decent striker. Right, yeah. They'd be they'd be lethal. They would. They would not very nice. Malpay's probably not that guy, but. No. You always need people like Malpay to kind of... Um, Malpay's a good player to have, but he's not yeah. obviously your 10 goal I'll tell you one person who was on the uh, who was on the free agent list that I think has just been signed up, Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, he's got yeah, to Australia. He, got the yeah. he would have um, he would have been someone 
who could have come in with experience, could play their system. You could pump long balls to him and he'll spin spin around on the backside of defenders and he'll probably get you quite a lot of goals. He's a, he's a goal scorer. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about like twenty off, but oh, the ten the ten to like twelve that they probably need a season that they're missing in games like this where they could have picked up three points against Arsenal. It's what costs them being in the top half of the table every year. Because yeah. you have teams like it's the place um, that they need to address every year. You've got you've got, te- you've got teams like Aston Villa that made that jump and when they got their strikers. You've got a team like Southampton that always somehow always have like a turnaround of strikers. Like now they've got that Adam Armstrong. So like things they always have like a turnaround of strikers. Um ever and obviously they'd have good DCL they'd have a great scouting network to pick up another striker where they left yeah, off. Yeah, DCL fell into to, their lap. Just fit in perfectly. Yeah, Brighton just need some just a break, like they just need something up top, even an attacking midfielder. On the flip side of it, bit, though, with a bit of talent. On the flip side of it, Gab and Ben White were solid again, barely put a foot wrong. The distribution was a little bit shaky at times, but us going forward, we were, we were static as fuck. And I'm I've flipped so hard on Aaron Ramsdale. I love this man, my entire heart. He's genuinely brilliant. The the save he made late in the game and it was absolutely pissing down. One got skidded across the box and literally it's inches from Mope knocking it into empty net and he somehow claws it out of the way. He's been a revelation since he's come in Ramsdale and he's saved us big time. So, so he's, he's not just I, an incredible goalkeeper for saving, he's a great leader for you at the back. He's, yeah. He's back line. I owe our fucking recruitment team of being able to apologize because he's so fucking class, him. mate. He's been fantastic. <laughs> And to be honest, careful of that though. There's a there's a uh, there's a hidden goalkeeper jinx as soon as you say he's start playing well. I know, so but so far national break. <laughs> this is it. He's he's been called back up again because his performance. So that's good for him. Hopefully, he might get he deserves it, I think. Uh, going on to Sunday, Palace Leicester. Leicester um, two then. goal lead. I'm sorry. Which, yeah, literally. Anyway, what a game. Anyway. And um changing my, all my social medias and dedicating them to a Michael Alise fan page because oh my god what a player that boy is he was unbelievable when he came on he every time he got the ball they looked like they were going to score even though they looked like they were going to score pretty much every time um, they went forward but Alise was fantastic and it was brilliant to watch what, him here's what every young forward should look at and do you come yeah. on the pitch even if you have 20 minutes to play you chase down every loose ball. Every time you get the ball, you're direct and you're positive with it instead of just doing safe things. Okay, he probably, he probably. I mean, I didn't watch in depth of him in that game. I watched, I did watch the game, but I wasn't really focusing on him. And he probably did lose the ball quite a few times. But so he's even, even when he lost the ball, he, he lost it trying to, um, trying he was to trying to create. And at the end of the day, he ended up being a massive part in them coming back and winning the game. Uh, enjoying the game, sorry, which would feel like a win for them at that point because they didn't give up and they clawed back the point, which is a massive point because Leicester were terrible. It was literally two individual errors and all of a sudden it's 2-0 and sort of. If you're a uh, a Palace fan sat in the stadium, you're thinking, what the fuck has happened here? Like, we dominated the game again though, really. You think? Yeah, it's another one of those, like there's just little things that Leicester, I think Palace really deserved to win that game. Um, oh, they did a hundred percent. They were really unfortunate, but just little things that just don't all. I mean, I, th- I guess that's football, though. Things don't always go your way, you know. 
But yeah. um, like, it's just one of those things. You just you just got to kind of get on with it, you know. Like Palace, Palace picked up a point here, and it's quite a crucial point for them. Oh, 100 percent. I believe they're point. If I'm not point and go. mistaken, I do believe they're still undefeated. Patch, I told you at the start of the season, Patrick Vieira is a very good manager. No, they lost. Palace have lost, lost twice. Someone. Oh, they lost twice. I thought they lost it. They won one, drawn four, lost two. But the only they, team in the league brilliant. right now is Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool the only team. And uh, moving on to that again, what a game! Brilliant game. <laughs> that that was tell that you was what, the mate. Game, Rodri was I, incredible. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be. No, I did. I expected a bit of a bore one. I expected it to always expected, be the same. Live up to a bit of a bore, boring game. I maybe a one 0 just about another tactics. I expected Liverpool to set up different to what they did. I thought that was quite interesting. Really? Um, what he did there, yeah, I didn't think he would. I thought Klopp wouldn't play as um, safe with his midfield options as he did. Um, mm. But then at the same time, how could you not play Henderson and Fabinho? I think yeah. you had to, but I just didn't think he would do it. But he did, and uh, to be honest, that's more of a that's more of a win for Liverpool than it is for City. Oh, one hundred percent. Games out of the way from them. And, and now they can. That's their. That's their bogey team, really. And yet again, another game decided by the referees because Milner should have been off. Clear oh, as day. Yeah, agree. That should have been a red card. Probably, but then at the same time, um, City had 10, 15 chances in the first half. They should have buried, and they kept kept catching uh, kept catching Milner sleeping with Foden. Yeah, so I mean, if Foden buries at least one or two of them. Different ball game. It's a way different ball game. I mean, I'll, I still think the final was class, so I'm not silver, but it wasn't really clear cut chances. And again, you sort of look at that game and you think if they had a number nine, sort of it, it's wraps for Liverpool in that one. It's all, it's all like he he say she say though, and like it's all like I think it was clear as day to be honest because they dominated. If you have a striker, then yeah, maybe it would, but then possibly it would take away from all the free flowing that they do. They need a striker that can play anywhere across the three. Because if they mm. don't have that, then they just have one ploddy thing in the middle that has no movement. And that's what Aguero started to be towards the end. That's why he started dropping deeper. Because yeah. City have transformed how they play now. They It's all free-flowing. Everyone can play everywhere. So they just have to they just have to be a bit more clinical. That's what they have to be. Is when they get these chances, put them in the back of the net. Yeah, definitely. Which, again, oh. leans to the striker. But... It also leads on to a conversation as two two players who sort of uh, on the big stage yet again produce the goods, and that is the Boyner and Salah. And it it makes you ask the question: Who is the best player in the Premier League? Because it surely has to be one of them too. For me, yeah. it's currently Salah. I think he, he contributes so much to that Liverpool team. He gets some goals, he gets some assists. Without, I don't think without Salah, they don't tick. I get that's the same with the Boyner, but I feel like Salah. Is performing more and more on a consistent level than De Bruyne for me. The, the argument for me is if if Salah doesn't tick, Liverpool can still tick. If De Bruyne has a bad game, you see it with City because they don't play the same. They're like yeah, again, two different outfits. I don't think it really ticks with Liverpool when Salah isn't playing because Mane hasn't lived up to obviously his previous years. Jota's a great player he, to have as well, but again, really that Salah, well, I don't I think they do see. anything. The thing is, the thing is with them two, it's really difficult to compare them because they're two different players. Exactly, Way two, two different completely players. different. Players. Yeah. In the in the Bruyne's position, 
the one thing he lacked, he doesn't need to have. And that's that like killer instinct. He doesn't need to have that. He just needs to play passes uh, for teammates and mm. to trail behind and pick up goals when he can. So for his for his position, he doesn't need that killer instinct. But if the Bruyne did have Salah's killer instinct, City would have buried half these teams that played and struggled against by now. Like mm, that yeah. PSG game, all the chances they had against PSG, they could have they De Bruyne could have helped them there um, against Liverpool. If if the if the Bruyne stepped up, maybe just that little bit more, it's asking for a lot. It is asking for a lot because that's asking for him to add a whole different dimension to his game of being the centre forward instead of just being that attacking midfielder. But I think with Salah, if Salah's not scoring and he's not and he's not getting on the ball, yeah, I, it's it's not all it's not always the most prettiest game for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas even when De Bruyne is not getting much of the ball, he might be getting shut out a lot. He might not contribute the goal on assist. You can always say De Bruyne had a good game. Yeah, because I think as well. He always, the, does, he always does have a good game. I think it, it's it's one of those things where whatever the game needs from De Bruyne, he brings. He always, yeah. when the moment's there and he needs it, whether it be for club or for country, he does it. You see it at the Euros, he come up with a couple of goals. And then later on in the game, you sort of, once Liverpool scored that second, you, you thought, there's probably, I don't see how City get a goal in this because they worked so hard to get the first and all of a sudden it drops on the edge. Right, it gets a deflection, but he, he produces in the moment. And for me, I'd probably lean to De Bruyne probably because I prefer sort of central midfield players. I, I think he's well classed. If I was to have one or the other, I would always pick Salah because I, I think his attributes that he gives you, you can't really replace that one much else. Like the pace... The being mm. able to produce in special moments like he does, the skill, the the the, the just the clinicality of him, like he's just so he's such a predator. He will put, yeah. you, put, put, him, put your team. Yeah, on you put the ball anywhere around that box, and he's probably scoring. You probably give eight out of ten if he shoots. He's, it's going in the back of the net. And there's not many players in the prem where I could probably list on my on one of my hands the amount of players in the prem that are that clinical. That's probably him, Ronaldo, Vardy. Not of late, but usually Kane. Yeah, um, that's that's about it of people that were clinical. I mean, Aguero was one of those guys too, but mm. it's just like it's, it's yeah. It's for me, it has to be Salah. It has to be Salah right now on current merit. It has to be Salah, but it's, 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 a, it's a long, up, really. It's a long season, it a really. Top, it's a toss up at the moment, really. Like it's you, all, you, it's you all be primarily opinion based. Yeah, oh yeah, you have to have one. Obviously, Salah. I think that's the problem with it. They they both walk into any team. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, so it's tough to pick one. No debate. Um, Let us know what you think, guys. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, kicking themselves now. They could have had the Bruno Salah. Oh my god, fuming with Mourinho, mate. Fuming, but you know, so do they? Do they turn into players? They turn into if they stay with Chelsea. That's the question. Possibly, yeah. Possibly not. Who knows. But we'll go wrap it up on a quick one there today, boys. Um, everyone, let us know what you think in uh, on Twitter or on Instagram, whether you would choose the Bruyne or Salah. And if there's any other players you think should be in that conversation. Uh, with the international break coming up, we've actually got a couple of topics ready for us to talk about. So get ready for an argument next week. Um, but yeah, that's it for today. A many are argument, let's say. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. Uh, and we'll see you uh, next week.